Hey everybody, welcome back to FlightCast. I'm Jason Rosewell, and with me is Skyhawk Heavy, Mark Denton. This is an aviation podcast inspired by the mobile flight simulator Infinite Flight, which you can find in the App Store and on Google Play. How are you today, Mark? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, We have almost all of the snow has gone off the ground here in Perry Sound, and it's raining, which is a beautiful sight. Wow. Mm-hmm. Almost got some greenery back. Yeah. And we just got back from Disney with the family. Yeah. So how was that? Oh, it was awesome. Too short. But we spent, uh, we stayed off site and we had, uh, you know, a condo and, and a car. So we were able to go to the park for a few days and then we went to the beach one day and we spent a few days by the pool. So it was a good mix. It's fun. Yeah, those hot, pictures look pretty cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're in Florida. Did you get the uh, thunderstorms every day at 3 o'clock? No, you know what? It didn't rain uh, at all. Not not even a really not a, not a drop. Oh, no, that's oh. not true. One day we were sitting around the pool, and it rained in the pool, but not where I was sitting. <laughs> <laughs> that's Florida. Uh, Mark, we have uh, some really cool guests today, and we have tons to talk about, and it's going to take us a while, so I want to keep this brief, yep. but I just want to check in with you and see how the uh, alpha testing on the global release is going for you. Um, yeah. Frustrating? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> which, you know, but that's all part of, that's all part of, that's why we're testing in alpha right now. Um, you know, there, there are just so many, um, so many bugs that keep popping up in, you know, uh, Several will get fixed, and then others will manifest. Yeah. And well, so the other day, I I was flying, and and I happened to be chatting with Laura at the same time, and I said, "Oh, I just crashed." And she said, "Okay, I see it. Uh, I think I know what it what the problem was." And so she fixed it, and then pushed a build, and then it's been dubbed the Jason fix uh, with you guys because it broke a yeah. whole bunch of other things. <laughs> yeah, so like it's my uh, fault now. I mean, yeah, and it's not that it's that bad. I mean. You're able to open the app, so that's good. Yeah, you can spawn. Um, yeah, well, if you're in SoCal, if you try to spawn in SoCal, you, you can't spawn there right now. But, um, I mean, this this is just all part of alpha testing, you know. It And, and, and I, I get that people are frustrated and they, they want the update, but they would be more frustrated if they got an update uh, if we released it with all of the issues because it's oh going to take one time. For someone to do that long flight like they're talking about that you see people posting, oh, I'm going to fly from the North Pole to the South Pole. Well, when you make that 20-something, 30-something hour flight only to crash when you're on a two-mile final, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're yeah. going to get pissed. Here's what so, was cool today. We, we, You and I went for a little flight, and uh, well, it was a nice one. The terrain was um, not too exciting. It was mostly flat, but... What yeah, I was, was nice uh, we were suddenly, uh, all of a sudden, preparing for this episode um, because it was sort of a last-minute switcheroo. Um, we do have Dion Mitten uh, on deck for an interview, but he's at Sun and Fun right now, and, and our schedules are just uh, not working together. So we've got him coming up. Uh, but Laura uh, Laban, uh, Infinite Flight developer, um, popped up on my Slack channel and said, hey... Uh, I have an interesting idea. Can you chat for a second? And it spawned the idea for this episode. Yeah. So while we're doing that, you and I are are in flight and approaching uh, Brussels. And yep. uh, what was awesome was that I my airplane was uh, using LNAV and following the flight plan, uh, which I adjusted to go into zero one instead of where we were planning on landing because the winds changed. And then as soon as oh, I, I got... I didn't know you adjusted it. I did. And then, well, because I was still like setting a microphone up and stuff like that. So I yeah. literally switched LNAV from, from nav to approach mode auto so land. for auto land. And I didn't even touch my device after that. I set the speed and I set flaps to final or flaps to full. And then I didn't touch my device until it was slowing down on the runway. Yeah. It was That's awesome. Cool, it was awesome. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that you had changed it. So um, what I ended up doing when we changed to zero one, I just, you know, basically uh, disengaged the LNAV and then just hand flew it the rest of the way. And um, 
and of course, because of the time of day, it was just kind of at that point to where the runway lights haven't come on yet. Yep. And you can't see anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm totally trusting everything on my HUD to, uh, to, for the glide slope and everything. So, yep. Mark, today we have the part one of our Women in Aviation series, and I am pumped about this one. I am too, man. I am yeah. too. Of all the series we've done, uh, real world pilots, air traffic controllers, uh, what other series have we done? Uh, developer uh, series. Air traffic this, controllers. Yeah. This is my. This is the one I've been looking forward to the most. Um, the women in the workplace in general have, um, you know, fought their way to the top, and uh, in aviation, the, the story is no different. I think I just saw a post the other day, and it might have been an older post. I didn't check the date, but it was uh, recently a first all female, all African American crew on a. Wow. I think it was a Delta flight. But man, that is so so awesome. It shouldn't be so surprising to us, but it is. Uh, and let's be honest, most of the time do it better than we do anyway. So uh, we're... I will not dispute that at all. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we are starting our Women in Aviation with part one, and we've got uh, standing by, we've got uh, our one of our developers from Infinite Flight, Laura Laban, as well as a surprise guest. And uh, so, mm-hmm. why don't we why don't we get them in here? Yeah, let's go on and bring them in. So, as we've said, we have Infinite Flight developer and pilot Laura Laban, as well as surprise guest, a CRJ nine hundred captain for a U.S. regional carrier and co chair for the transgender group of the National Gay Pilots Association, Erica DeLong. Ladies, thanks for making time for us today. Happy to be here. So, Laura, we've heard about your aviation story before, and listeners can always check out the back catalog for that. But the really interesting thing here is that we've interviewed you before as Matt, and that was before you came out as transgender. And since then, a lot has happened in your life. So why don't you give us a quick snapshot of that story? Okay, well, um, I I guess you like, I, if you're asking about the whole life, this would take a long time. But um, if it's just about the aviation part... Um, um, we'll just say like, I was socialized as a guy until I was 35 years old. Um, and I got married, I had kids and then, um, sort of like the entire life since I was five years old, I always sort of felt something was really not aligned between my body and my like gender expression was not what it should have been. Um, and it's something that I was able to push down until I couldn't. And, um, and when I was 35 years old, so about last year, I realized that my problem was, well, problem, quote, unquote, was that I was transgender and um, pushing it away was not going to be um, a long-term option because there's no such thing as pushing this away forever. And um, so I came out um, to my family, my wife, which was a super stressful situation, um, but glad to say that she's supportive and we're still together um and um uh the difficult second part was coming out to the bigger um portion of my life which is the infinite flight community um because as some of you know like there's a lot of following that i have on twitter and instagram and on facebook a lot of people call me by my you know for my name at that time but it was sort of um a big, um, big step for me, a big leap. Um, and I had gone to, right after I came out to my family, I had gone to a conference in San Francisco called GDC. Um, that was about, it's a game developers conference. And it basically, uh, is about, you know, anything game development. And there was a, uh, LGBT panel. Uh, so I went there and asked people in the panel, has anybody ever transitioned in uh, or came out um, in a community like the one I have? Because I'm not sure exactly how to do it. You know, should I tell everybody? Should I just switch? What do I do? And they basically told me, um, no, you're on your own. Nobody has done that. And they were, they were coming back to be like, oh, talk to your HR people. And we don't <laughs> have, like, you know, we don't have any HR people at our company. We, everybody's working from home. Um, so I just sort of had to like improvise, um, 
and um, this is this has been pretty um, uh, pretty successful coming out. I would say there's some people that I've had arguments with. Uh, there's some difficulty in the family and things like that, but overall, it's it's pretty. It's been a pretty pretty positive response uh, from everybody else all around. Um, and I recently posted um, a few things for uh, last week's uh, Transgender Day of Visibility, which was on Friday. And I got some extremely positive feedback uh, from my experience in my coming out, which helped a lot of people. I, I invited people to ask me questions on Instagram and on Twitter. And I, a few people came forward and tell, told me that uh, my story and my coming out actually helped them either to come out to their parents, to just accept uh, somebody they knew who was and you know, somebody, some part of some letter in the LGBT um, community. Um, so it's been it's been pretty okay, and I'm I'm pretty happy things are working smoothly, um, and I'm you know happier than I ever was before. So yeah, well, as your friend, <laughs> I can I can echo that comment. You you seem happier and you look happier, and it's just it's a really cool thing to be able to sort of watch. Um, happen. And I have to say, when looking back over the whole process, um, you know, because when you came out uh, online, that was the first time that I had heard about it. And um, because I'm, you know, I'm not on staff or anything. So I didn't have the inside track. And um, I, I thought that really, aside from a few people, it was a very positive response and and um i applaud you for for that and i i think that it's really amazing that now you can um do what you did the other day for um remind me what it was called again transgender awareness uh, the the out oh yeah the transgender uh, uh, visibility, visibility right yeah. so what you can do that and then ha- and then inspire people to be able to really be themselves which is the happiest part about this whole thing in my mind. Um, so I, I thank you for sharing all that. And how would you say that your local aviation community has been with your transition? Because you were, um, this guy at an airport that, that had an airplane and now you're this woman at an airport who has an airplane. So how, how's that been going? Um, so I am lucky to live in the Bay area where, um, Seeing people transition is not an uncommon thing. Um, so it was not, I mean, there are some people that I, I knew on Facebook. So they sort of saw my, my coming out post and the, the next time they saw me, they're like, oh, okay, you know, like whatever. Uh, but there are some people that just, I just didn't want to tell them or just, they were not close friends. And at some point there was uh, our next door uh, hangar um, has some kind of trainer airplane from the from the war, like World War II era, and I just showed up and said, "Hey, you know, and you know, if I can see some weird looks, so they, I can see that they recognize me, I just say, oh, by the way, you know, I used to be, you know, this guy, and I'm I'm transitioning, I'm transgender, I'm transitioning." Most of the response has been like, "Oh, okay, cool, good for you, and I hope you're happy." And uh, I've never really had any issues here, uh, mostly because in the Bay Area, you know, close to San Francisco, it's like the LGBT capital of the U.S., at least maybe the world. Right. Um, so it's very common. So pretty okay. much no issue. Except, you know, with the hormones, you kind of like lose um, some um, muscle mass. Um, so I'd say the, the only difference that I've seen at the airport is is uh, the hangar doors are more heavy. Um, <laughs> and the plane is heavier to push out of the hangar. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um I noticed when when you took me flying in the Cetabria that it was um you know you get a normal response over ATC and then sometimes what you would hear because you're still transitioning and you know you you've said publicly before that your voice and things like that are a work in progress so people will say oh I have him in sight but I can't decide I couldn't decide when we were flying if that's just something people say uh referring to the airplane or whether they were commenting about you because they could hear you talking. Um, but th- these uh, are all sort of, I guess, interesting little components that you wouldn't ever think of until you're in the situation. So to me, like this is one of my ultimate targets, um, being able to work on my voice so that ATC uh, says, uh, thank you, ma'am, on the radio. <laughs> right. 
not been able to reach that point. I think there's probably some times where they don't know what to say. Right. Uh, but last time um, uh, I was on final in Palo Alto, um, I think it was with you. I, I forgot. Like some like some guy in front of us was being too slow to exit the runway. So I just stayed high, um, like to slow myself down as much as I could instead of descending. And I just um, slip it to the ground. Um, so they know what I'm doing. And they, they he sort of like knew what I was doing. So it didn't give me a go around. Um, and the guy exited in time and he just, he said, thank you, sir. Because I was like, I'm not going to say anything, but it's like, this is, it's a little, you know, razor cut every time someone says it to you, but the target would be someone says, thank you, ma'am on a radio. That would be right. something ma'am, on a radio. Yeah. Well, um, and there's... that would be like the, uh, as you've posted before, that would be like the ultimate level achievement unlocked, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. One of the big ones, probably not the ultimate one, but one of the big ones in okay. terms of like progress. Yes. Cool. Uh, Erica, welcome to Flightcast and thanks for making time for us today on Spur of the Moment. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Uh, Eric, I'd love to hear about your story and, and let's go a little farther back because we've never talked to you before and start sort of at the beginning and, and ask what we ask all of our pilots that we interview. Uh, what got you into aviation? What was it that uh, spurred you in this direction? Well, I um, I grew up in an aviation family. I'm a byproduct of a airline captain and a mom who is a flight attendant. Uh, both of them fly at uh, different U.S. major carriers. And so I, I grew up with aviation all around me. Um, I lived... Uh, aviation, but I wasn't encouraged to be in aviation. I think sometimes as parents, we tend to uh, want to encourage our our children to do other things and explore other things. And if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And I knew at a very, very, very young age, about uh, age five or six, that I wanted to be not only just a pilot, but I wanted to be an airline pilot and be in the industry. And so as I went on with life and through the grade schools and the, and the education system, that was always in the back of my mind is, what does this pertain to flying airplanes? Because um, I've been blessed to know exactly what I wanted to do at a very, very, very young age. So as you sort of um, went through that process, and since we are talking about women in aviation, um, you you were not a woman at that time, if, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. So you you began you began your transition later in life. Yes. So I started flying in 1991, 25 years ago. Um, I started flying as a male, and I. Um, flew um, up until about three years ago. So at the age of 40 is when I made the transition uh, to female. Um, it was a situation where um, there was a lot of elements involved with it. Uh, one, I was uh, married, and I still am uh, married to my wife. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, we've been together for 12 years and and I've known her for 19 and we have a beautiful daughter who's eight years old and her name is uh, an aviation name and so we kind of are keeping the aviation theme in our family as well. And is your um, wife into aviation? She is. Uh, my wife has her private pilot's license and she has a couple hundred hours. Awesome. Um, and, she doesn't fly very often, and that's okay because we're focusing on being parents. But um, we plan to uh, continue flying together. Um, on the side, we have a fleet of small airplanes. Uh, we currently have uh, three general aviation airplanes. So we kind of have a little fleet that we uh, spend our quality family time. So um we, we go out to the airport a lot, whether it's to fly or just to hang out. Um, we're always trying to introduce our daughter and 
we have so many aviation friends. Um, aviation is such a small community, and I and it's a community that we trust. Um, we rely on each other. Um, majority of them are very, very, very professional, and um, it's always nice to talk with people. I hold a, an airline transport pilot license um, with a, multiple type ratings, but I'm also active as a uh, CFI double MEI flight instructor. So um, trying to be diverse within my training um, uh, and outreach towards others is, um, has been actually quite successful um, after my, my transition. Wow. Um, you're a busy person. Well, uh, aviation is an addiction. Um, mm -hmm. When I'm not flying um, the larger airplanes, and I fly those about 700 hours a year, I still try to get in 100 or 150 hours of GA flying. is about perfect for me. And, yeah, it's an addiction, but it's also a stress reliever for me. It's uh, freedom. It's uh, it's just kind of who I am as a person. And uh, I think it's important to find something that you like, that you're good at, that's positive, and then just feed that and continue to grow. Yeah, I love that. And, and thank you for sharing some of the personal details. I, it's awesome that a few hours ago I, I didn't know you existed, and here we are, and you're sharing your story. So thank you for that. And the I love the obviously I love talking about aviation and I love hearing these stories, but the part of what you've said so far that literally gave me goosebumps was when you talked about your family, and and that you are you and your wife are still together and that your family seems to be thriving. So um, good for you, and and I love hearing both of you say that you're so happy, and um, so. Uh, well, I could go on and on talking about that side of this, but let's let's bring it right back to aviation, <laughs> and uh, and and a little further back, you skipped over it a little bit, but you you said you started flying in uh, what was it nineteen ninety two or yeah nineteen ninety one is when okay. I started flying and and uh, so you got your private license first, and then or did you go straight to flight school, or how did that work? Well. It, uh, kind of an interesting story. When I was a little kid, I, I kept on pestering my father, who was an airline captain, uh, that I really wanted to fly. And he says to me, if you want to fly, start saving your money. And so I actually started saving my money at a very young age. Um, I would say probably second or third grade. And it was a dollar here, 50 cents here. Oh, wow. If I got a $100... Um, uh, birthday check or something, it went right into my savings. And I actually bought my very first airplane at age 19. Um, when everyone graduated from high school, most people bought a new car. Well, I bought a 1966 Cessna 150, and I had zero hours. And I actually had to have it delivered to our local airport. And at that point, um, originally, I think... My dad was thinking we were going to buy some sort of re remote control airplane, but he didn't realize that, that I was meaning a real airplane. So um, my very first lesson in my logbook is actually in an airplane that, that I owned, and uh, um, my dad was my flight instructor for um, the first hours through my solo. So my dad actually soloed me in an airplane owned by uh, by me and then I went off to the local flight schools and I've done all my flight training um, uh, private uh, instrument commercial multi-engine through all the uh, uh, part 61 uh, flight schools in the local area for me I was paying for it out of my own pocket as a young adult and so I would go from school to school to figure out how I could possibly do this. And, um, and that's how I uh, work through it. Um, I paid as I went. I worked uh, hard enough to get a, another rating. I would get that rating 
And then um, sometimes I was blessed. Um, something silly as a car accident. Somebody bumped my fender instead of getting a new fender in my pickup truck. I bought a multi-engine rating with that money and just yeah, drove awesome. a pickup truck with a big dent on the side. Um, because for me, um, that was my path um, that I came up with myself. And so um, I worked through the ratings. I worked on my uh, flight instruction ratings and um, flight instructed for several years. But one of the interesting things about flight instructing is because I own my own airplane, a lot of people are doing flight instruction to build time. For me, I was flight instruction, flight instructing because I was going to fly my own airplane anyways. So I figured I might as well teach people. I love to teach. I love to introduce people to aviation. And so um, to be able to flight instruct when it doesn't matter how much time you have takes the pressure and the element off of the situation. And I honestly think you provide much, much better quality flight instruction when you're putting the student first and the goals and the needs of the student and you put your um, needs and your personal desires second. And I think that's, um, as a teacher, um, I think that is that is so important. It is, and and I, you know, we've all heard those stories of the flight instructors that are just really putting in time, and they're trying, and they try to get their students to put as much time on the hob as they can, and and really they're in it for themselves and not the the joy of being able to teach people about flying. So that's really cool to hear. Um, I'm going to move us right along because we don't have a ton of time today. Um, so Eric, what what was the how? You've already said you you decided at one point to come out as transgender, and I, I'm going back to this because of uh, the fact that we are doing women in aviation, and also because we just passed the um, tra- uh, Laura, sorry, transgender visibility day of, vis- day of visibility. I keep messing yes, that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, right. The Department of the Redundancy Department. Um, <laughs> so how did how did coming out affect you? You've already said you decided at some point. Um, you can decide to share the why if you want to, but how did coming out affect your, your work in the commercial pilot world? Sure. Um, what the, one of the things that is very important for me, because it was my livelihood, I needed to come up with a plan in order to stay employed as a pilot. And then the other thing too was uh, come up with a plan um, that I could maintain my medical certificate as well. So what I did is I actually um, let my my company know uh, through my local pilots union, and it was just a simple request um, just to notify them. I didn't identify myself. Um, I just let them know that we have a transgender pilot and there's certain laws and rules and and company policies that we um, have to follow, uh, particular non-discrimination. We have a non-discrimination LGBT um, phrase within um, our our company. And so I I let them know. And we worked together. This was a collaboration between um, my regional carrier, um, also the parent company who owns us, and the Airline Pilots Association, which is ELPA, which represents our pilot group. And so what we did is we came up with a plan um, that um, I would be transitioning. And when I returned from uh, some leave that I had taken, that Erica would be returning and I would be female. And all my license, all my... um, certificates and medical certificates would all be in female and I would just basically pick up where I left off and uh, so we worked together and I remember walking into recurrent ground school um, you know I had left as a a male um, in a male uniform as a father and I came walking in as a beautiful lovely tall female pilot Um, who is now a mom. And 
it was really interesting um, within the airline community. There is diversity, but uh, but more importantly, we have professionalism and respect. Um, that's how we keep safe is by following company procedures, um, following um, the guidelines, uh, following checklists and things like that. So um, we as pilots, as commercial airline pilots, um, we're pilots first and we're employees second. But um, one of the interesting things is, is as I walked in, um, people didn't even really ask. Um, people looked, but they were very, very respectful. Um, very similar in the cockpit as well as we're flying in the flight deck. Um, I'll fly a three or four day trip. The subject may, may or may not come up. And I've actually had a very, very smooth transition. Um, for the last three years, I haven't had any um, flight deck issues. I've had some questions. And to be honest with you, um, we just educate. Um, I educate. Um, and it's be the same concept if uh, we were looking at the METAR and I knew the answer on the decoding on a METAR. We would just talk about it and, and, and learn, and then we move on. And so um, it was very interesting uh, working with the flight attendants, both gay, straight, um, the pilots, gay, straight. Um, I haven't had any issues. And I think one of the reasons is is I have introduced them to a transgender person for the first time and also a transgender pilot for the first time. And I introduced them through professionalism. One of the things that I, I get um, uh, communicated to me by my crew members is they were expecting a really large change in how I flew the airplane or how I reacted. But I still fly the airplane the way I've always flown the airplane. I treat people with uh, love and respect. And for me, um, my uh, style of running my flight deck and the cabin on, uh, on the aircraft has worked very well just through being professional um, and sticking to the task. And if there's ever sort of a conflict, we just rely on policies and procedures that we're trained to do because um, that is a very, very uh, consistent, uh, well thought out program that's approved by the FAA. And so we need to fall back on our previous training whenever there's um, issues. Awesome. I love that. Uh, Laura, can you give us a little, um, well, can you explain how you met Erica and what is she doing at your house? <laughs> so it is, it is transgender related. Um, uh, so Julie and I, so my wife and I, you know, it's, um, it's obviously a struggle for, um, a partner, a spouse when, um, their husband, um, comes out as transgender because you, you know you face a lot of um, everybody has an opinion on the reason why you should divorce and how it's not going to work and all that and you know, when you have kids and you have built something together uh, it's not as easy uh, everybody else will, will tell you like oh if my husband came out as transgender I would leave right away it's like it's not easy because it's not easy to just leave like that um, so you know we've had we've been looking for somebody who had gone through this and had you know, more experience than us and could maybe guide us and help us, you know, understand how they, um, how they approach the subject, how it worked out for them and give us tips and tricks. Um, and I met this, um, this friend, uh, on online who, um, basically told me, Oh, I know somebody, um, that can, uh, that actually has a, a family. And she came out as transgender, she's a pilot, she's married, she has a kid. Um, so you guys should really talk. Um, so she put us into, uh, in contact. Uh, and I think maybe like a day later, we were on a Skype session or a hangout session. And we spoke for a few hours and ex exchanged ideas. And it was just basically Erica and her wife just told us 
how he works for them and what happened. And, you know, it was funny to see and interesting to see um, Erica's wife and my wife talk about their, their common struggles uh, with having their husband become a spouse or a wife or however they want to call them, um, because it's very similar. It's the same uh, questions. It's the same um, issues. It's, you know, the, the looks of other people. So this is basically how we met. And then a couple of days ago, um, you know, we, this is completely unplanned. Um, Erica just sent me a text like, oh, I can, you know, I can be in San Francisco. We have a couple of days off. Like, would you like us to come? And we just hadn't, didn't have anything specific planned. So I said, all right, sure. Yeah, just come over. And then this is why we're here. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And of course, as pilots and uh, cabin crew, you guys can just hop on an airplane and away you go. Yeah, it was kind of neat. Um, I, I brought my do- my eight-year-old daughter out as well. Um, uh, Laura has children, and, and I think some of our biggest support, our, our biggest supporters are our kids. And uh, um, they live every day with a transgender parent. And um, my daughter has, has built a friendship with Laura's daughter. And... Um, just seeing um, how other people navigate life um, and just try to um, come up with a plan and just making sure that our flight plan uh, doesn't take us uh, too close to thunderstorms or areas uh, beyond our personal limits. And so um, as the um, flight uh, has up-and-coming issues, we um, assess the situation and, and come up with a plan. And sometimes we just need to divert, but we can still be successful with a, a, a diversion. And so it's been really neat. Um, the transgender community is very, very small. And the transgender community of pilots with children is is even smaller. So um my wife and I and my daughter are very, very blessed to find a commonality with another family. And it's amazing uh, how well we've clicked. They say if you have a large room with 100 people, the five pilots will all find each other at the end of the day. Yes. <laughs> and it's so true with uh, the transgender pilots. Um, there's so few of us that... We work together, uh, we network together, and that's one of the things as a woman pilot I've noticed. um, Women pilots, they network um, all the time. Their network system is so complex, and it's a really uh, neat thing to see, and um, I always admired it. Now it's exciting that I'm part of it, and so I'm growing every day. Um, the support that I've received from my fellow uh, female pilots is just unbelievable. I haven't had a single problem flying with females. And to be honest, they always tell me they prefer flying with me over a male because there's a lot of pressures that are taken away um, from from them because I'm just one of the girls and they don't have to worry about the whole dynamic of flying as a female with a, um, a male pilot. And I think that's a common theme that we'll, that we see um, throughout the industry is as more and more women get involved, we're going to see um, and have more opportunities to have first officer, captain, all female crews, um, and it, it's exciting to see it's and it's also um, a great way to uh, show leadership and mentorship to our next generation of women pilots out there. Now, Erica, be honest with me, you, you've used that flight plan and life analogy before in a presentation or something. You must have. It was way too good. Mm-hmm. No, um, it's just... <laughs> yeah, because um, that that's what I picked up on as well. I love how you actually used, you know, the aviation terminology with the flight plan and, you know, avoiding the storms, the thunderstorms, having to divert uh, all of that. Uh, that's, that's awesome. I actually like that. 
Well, I have um, one of the interesting things with uh, dealing with um, advocacy um, as a transgender pilot is we just need to give our fellow pilots a little dual instruction um, on the subject and not jam it down their throats, but make it available. And I've had um, hundreds of conversations with fellow people, and uh, I've got so many aviation friends and supporters. So um, you have to put it in a perspective that they can relate to. And, and so, you know, with the aviation, that is definitely... Um, the theme that I use. Um, one interesting uh, analogy that I use as well uh, with non-aviation people, uh, particularly motorheads or my guy friends, is I was a 1973 big block Chevrolet. And when I came out of the factory, they put me in a Ford Mustang. <laughs> and that's just plain wrong. I mean, I can drive, I can uh, work, but it's just not right. And the big black Chevrolet um, it would be my heart, my soul, my personality, who I am on the inside, what makes me uh, just who I am. And rather than throw my heart, my personality away, I needed to get my big black Chevrolet in a 1973 Chevy Corvette. And when I did that, it aligned and it was correct. And, and I went to check my numbers and my numbers on my body and my numbers on my engine matched. And now I'm a fully functioning uh, Chevrolet Corvette going down the road. Very nice. Nice, uh, Laura. You going for? Uh, have you have you been in the Satabria with uh, Erica yet? Um, no, uh, we had a flat tire to fix yesterday, um, so they just fixed it in the end of the day. Uh, and today we might not have time to go fly, but maybe next time. Okay, you know. I'm sure this won't be the first hangout for you. Mark, have you heard of Live Flight for Infinite Flight? Yeah, man. I've used it to track flights and to see which regions and airports are busy before, you know, planning my flight. Right. Well, as you probably know, a new version of Live Flight is now available at liveflightapp.com. This new version is better than ever and has been rebuilt from the ground up. With the new design, more flight stats, a search feature, and airport information, tracking and planning your flight is easier than ever. Oh, man, I know. And now with the new downloadable KML files, you can download your flight data to any Earth browser, such as Google Earth. It's so cool. Absolutely. And if that wasn't enough, you can now subscribe to Live Flight Horizon, a new service for only $1.99 a month that provides real-time, worldwide airport information such as weather, runway data, and charts. It also allows you to search for flights, active ATC frequencies, and airports. And as a Live Flight Horizon subscriber, you'll also get much longer online sessions, and you'll be helping Cam to keep developing and improving this great app. So guys, make sure you head over to liveflightapp.com to give it a try, and also subscribe to Live Flight Horizon. It will make your infinite flight experience so much better. Live Flight is now available in the App Store for iOS. And now back to the podcast. Erica, before we let you go, actually, we're going to do a few community questions. But before that, you are co-chair of the uh, NGPA. Can you tell us about that? Yes, um, I co-chair um, the transgender group within the NGPA. And one of the goals uh, of that committee is to try to provide information to transgender pilots. There are several things that are involved with the FAA. Uh, one thing in particular would be maintaining your medical certificate. Um, try, we're putting together um, information to guide you uh, for that. Um, we're also putting together an outreach of how to change your name um, finding other people that may be having um, some of the same uh, issues that you're having. And then also there is 
um, people within our um, advocacy group that are available uh, through the NGPA to help mentor and guide people and just answer questions um, through that, uh, through their process. Um, one of the things that I um, did is I did made my full transition without even meeting a different, uh, another transgender uh, person. And I had to go on research for days and days, all the ins and outs of, of maintaining my aviation as a, as a new transgender pilot. So um, the NGPA is working uh, on um, having an outlet for that. And uh, they have been huge supporters of the transgender community. And we've got NGPA transgender pilots um, at almost every major carrier in the United States and also Europe as well. So throughout the country, um, there's usually someone that we can get people in touch with um, that would be willing to um, help and mentor or just talk to. And and it's such a neat resource uh, within aviation. And, and uh, ngpa.org um, would be where uh, you could start and I would encourage people, if they're struggling with their identity, to make healthy choices and start doing research and remember that you're not alone. Um, and you don't have to be a, a trans woman either. We have um, trans uh, males as well that have uh, transitioned from female to male. So um, it's we're all encompassing of the transgender uh, community and with aviation. Very good. All right, Mark. Well, why don't we pick a few questions from the forum? If you've got that pulled up, if you have anything that uh, is jumping out at you, um, I I'm seeing one from uh, aviation lover uh, to both of you. What aircraft did you do your training on? We heard uh, Erica, you said you bought your own Cessna 150. And did you do all your training on that one? Um, I started out in that. Um, uh, that was an excellent platform when I first started, and then I moved up to through uh, to a 172 Cessna products, and then um, pretty much whatever airplane I could find that was the most reasonably priced that would satisfy my goal. So I've flown Cessnas, Pipers, um, and Beechcraft as well. Um, and then I also did uh, some tailwheel flying during that time. Um, and uh, it, I wanted to mix it up because sometimes we can train, 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 but we need to have fun. And I also hold a single engine seaplane rating as well. So there we go. Um, nice. I kind of um, uh, snuck in a couple extra ratings along the way. Um, to uh, to help augment the uh, aviation uh, training process. Okay, and what about you, Laura? What was your uh, training aircraft? Um, I started on a one fifty two, then went on to a DR four hundred. Actually, no, uh, Piper. Um, uh, I think it was a uh, Cherokee. I think I forgot. Like a one sixty horsepower. It was a, in France. It was a weird version that they had in France, and then the DR-400. Um, and then when I moved to the U.S., I got my U.S. PPL on a uh, Archer. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and, and, and Laura, do we get a CRJ rework in honor of Erica, since you're now friends? Um, yes. I mean, yes. we were talking about this this morning. Um, obviously, now that I have access to a CRJ, we, we already had access to some CRJ pilots, uh, but there's more data um, to gather and more feedback. Um, I've introduced Erica to Infinite Flight and given her a demo of um, of Global here on my computer. So I think she's, she's uh, hooked. Fantastic. <laughs> along with the rest of us. Let her fly the 200. Well, you know, I am willing to fly the 200, the 400, or the 200, the 700, and the 900. And 
you know, it was really neat to see the program and, and the potential uh, for um, flying the CRJ um, on the screen. I look forward to that in the future and, and uh, just overall impressed with the product. Um, looking at it, um, I've been in a wide variety of simulators. Um, we currently give our type ratings in a, um, a class D simulator, uh, full type rating. So the first time that we actually uh, fly the airplane, we have passengers and, and boy, looking at your program, uh, it's quite impressive. Um, very, very, very impressive. Good job. Well, I can't take any of the credit, really. We'll have to give that to Laura <laughs> and her team. Uh, but I'm part of that team, so I'll take some of the credit. Yes, Mark, let's give know. Mark some credit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so a question from both of you, from Stephen Walker, who's one of our IFATC guys. Uh, for both of you, what what would be your best advice to the fellow LGBT, and let's toss a Q on there, community who are interested in getting into aviation and potentially wanting to become a pilot but might be hesitant or scared? Um, I mean, I if it's just for me not being in the you know, commercial airline um, business, I would say just go to your local airport and start flying. Um, I don't think today, if you live in you know the Western society and your um, country is not too obsessed with um, LGBT rights, um, it's going to be fine. Nobody really, I mean, people have issues with that, but I mean, it's, it should be pretty much fine to just go fly and get lessons, regardless of if you're trans, you know, LGBT something or straight, you know, just, just go flying is the main thing, I would say. One of the things I would um say about someone that is in the LGBTQ community, um, you are a customer uh, and you have got a lot of money you want to spend. And as a flight instructor, um, I have an obligation to provide you quality instruction. And I always have told my students, for some reason, if you don't feel um, comfortable or you don't like you're getting a good value for your money or we just have some sort of um, mismatch in our flight instruction by all means don't get locked into one instructor find the person that's going to work best for you because this is someone you're um, you're investing in um, this is someone that you may do multiple ratings with and there are people out there that will fit your learning style, but also your lifestyle. And I think it's so important um, to be encouraged um, in your in uh, who you are as a person. So I would encourage people to just get out and give it a try. Um, just interview uh, some potential flight instructors and just see how they react. You're not committed to a, a flight with them, um, but I... I did a lot of interviewing um, of my flight instructors. You know, how often are you available? Uh, what are your goals? Um, what is your teaching style? And um, and just keep in, keeping in mind that I was the customer there. Um, to the flight instructors out there that are listening to this, I would say be available to all kinds of students. Um, and use that as an opportunity uh, to grow yourself and to grow your clientele because um, the best uh, kind of marketing is your students telling their friends, hey, this Erica flight instructor is just been wonderful and I would highly recommend her. And that's, um, that's what I would suggest. Uh, to people that are interested in getting into the industry or just enjoying it as a hobby. Very nice. And I, I would say also, Erica, that, you know, as CFIs, you know, with, with uh, the aviation community, as far as pilots, I mean, like you said, we're, we're a very small community considering. And 
flight instructors, CFIs, they really don't, they don't have any room really to be choosy, uh, anyway, because there's just not a lot of people out there that are training, uh, doing any kind of flight training. So, I mean, they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, training with prejudice, I guess you could say, you know, they should be open to, to train anyone and, and have that desire to teach anyone, uh, that is willing to learn and, and apply the time, uh, you know, to their flight. So, um, I mean, that's just my thoughts on it as far as CFIs are concerned. And I totally agree with you. And really that is like the ultimate professional. And we are, as CFIs, we are professional pilots. And, exactly. And it just reinforces being professional. And, um, yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, it's just there, you know, there's just not a lot now. And, and I've, I've come across, uh, I've, I've met a few out here at my local FBO, you know, these CFIs, these younger Thundercats, uh, that they, they take people up. And when I talk to friends of mine who have gone up to fly, they come down, well, they flew most of the flight showing me this. Unfortunately, there are some CFIs that will actually go up and try to show off their skills more than anything. But, you know, generally at an FBO, there's going to be more than one flight instructor. So if there are any issues with one or if you don't feel comfortable with one for whatever reason, then there's usually always an option for uh, a different flight instructor. So, you know, that's something else that they can keep in mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, any other questions from the forum that are standing out to you, Mark? No, I, I, I was actually going to call out that one that uh, from Stephen, um, which yeah. I thought was going to be really good. I'm really surprised, though, that uh, nobody posted in here. Well, this one's for Laura. When's the update? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's been out since April 1st. Did you guys miss it? Yeah, didn't you I get know. that notice, uh, Mark? Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, I've had it. Yeah, it's yeah. I've had it. I don't know why these people are still asking. <laughs> yeah, everybody has it. Like, hello? Uh, Laura and Erica, would you like to add anything to our chat before I let you both go today? I would just en encourage everybody, uh, whether you're part of the LGBTQ community, whether you're male or female, uh, one, to just um, feed your passion for aviation, but also um, if you are struggling uh, with your personal identity uh, I just encourage you to make healthy choices and find the resources that will allow you to have a clear mind and be able to focus so that when you are in the cockpit uh, on the flight deck that um, you may be a very, very uh, focused and safe pilot. And that's what I would encourage people to do. Well, Erica said it better than I ever could. Um, then I guess I would just say um, it would be about Infinite Flight, about the update. Um, that, you know, um, if people want the update now, <laughs> they can have it, um, but it's not working so well. <laughs> yeah. If they want to fly, yeah. be ready uh, for flying 12 hours, uh, your 12 hour flight might end uh, 11 hours and 59 minutes. Um, <laughs> or you plan on because it's it's gonna crash on you. Um, so yeah, I can. I'll be more than happy to send anybody my crash report uh, <laughs> and show them just over the past few days the amount yeah. of crashes we've had. We're we're chasing uh, weird crashes where we have absolutely no information about what's going on. Um, so yeah, just uh, and about like the LGBT part, I guess um, just. Um, be yourself, and um, uh, it gets better. I know it's hard at the beginning. Uh, the first time you realize things, it's hard, but it gets easier, and it gets better. Um, uh, it's a, It could look like a dark path, but at the end, there's like some. It's worth it. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you guys taking the time on Flightcast to join us, spur of the moment and last minute. And Laura, thank you yep. for this awesome idea. Um, wow. 
and and thank you to both of you for sharing your stories so honestly and for being an inspiration to so many people so thank you absolutely thank you thank you for having us we appreciate it and may everybody have blue skies and tailwinds i love that everyone don't forget to check out flight cast cafe and uh, for bonus content from this and other episodes that's our show and we want to say thank you to laura laban and erica delong again for being part of our show today thanks as always for listening and if you haven't already head over to the app store or google play and download infinite flight for more of the podcast visit our website and be sure to subscribe on itunes or youtube you can find us on social media at Flightcast Audio. Flightcast is brought to you by Linkhouse Media on the web at linkhousemedia.com. To cover the fine print, Flightcast is not affiliated with Infinite Flight or Flying Development Studio. I'm Jason Rosewell. Thanks for listening and happy landings. Mm-hmm.